When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy. The way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. And today we are on other cool stuff because I'm here with Corey Stamper, um, writer extraordinaire, wordy expert, used to work at Merriam-Webster, and we are going to talk about words of the year. Corey, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Oh, and I forgot to mention your book, Word by Word, The Secrets of Making the Dictionary, something like that? Uh, The Secret Life of Dictionaries. But yeah, I mean, close enough. (laughs) Yeah. It's all the same. Fabulous book, because you were one of the people who write the dictionary, right? I Yeah, I was. I am. I still do. So. Oh, you do? Oh, fabulous. I I didn't know that. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, we're looking forward to your future books, but this one will have to hold us over. And um, by the way, people, it would make a wonderful Christmas gift. (laughs) I agree heartily. (laughs) (laughs) So um, words of the year. I feel like this has become a major PR event uh, for December. It sure has. Do you? It feels to me like it's become a bigger deal over the years. Is is that just my impression or do do you feel like that's true too? No, I do think that that's true. I mean, just so that we have, uh, just for for disclosure purposes, I will say that I have worked for many dictionary companies, and in some of those companies, I've been a part of the Word of the Year team. So, just so everyone knows. Um, but yeah, I do think that it's been it's been more and more. It does seem like there's a huge PR push, and I think you know part of it is that. The words of the year, when they first started happening, um, people just really loved them. They thought, oh, this is a great little commentary on how the year has gone. And and everyone's got a different angle on how the year has gone because we're all very different people. So it has it has gotten to be, I think, a bigger thing. There's even sort of this, this arms race of who releases their word first. And it's kind of like in the U.S. with the the primary system here in our elections, like who gets to have the first caucus or primary? And (laughs) it's even doing that with the word of the year. So it's, yeah, it's a huge deal. Yeah. All right. I'm doing a bracket this year for the first time. And I realized I started far too late. I should have started a (laughs) month earlier. We're going to be done, uh, you know, the end of December, maybe early January by the time all the voting comes in and, you know, nobody's going to care anymore. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But that's okay because as the American Dialect Society, which is a, a big group of people who are interested in the English language, 
is they like to say they have their word of the year vote in January because they want the whole year to finish out. They want all of December to take into calculus too. So you're not that late. You're okay. You're, you're going to come in before the, the American Dialect Society does. So. I will. And actually, that let's talk about the different ways the voting happens because, mm-hmm. you know, the dictionaries do it very differently from the American Dialect Society and actually differently from how I'm doing it this year. So can you talk about the pros and cons of the different ways of managing the vote? Sure. So just so everyone understands sort of how the different ways of this works, the American Dialect Society, basically at their meeting, they open the floor and they say, okay, we have a bunch of different categories. So for instance, most likely to succeed or most topical or sort of word of the year in politics, word of the year globally. They have all these categories And at the physical meeting, they open the floor and you nominate your words there. And you give a little spiel about why your word should be added to the nominations. And then they vote on them live right there. So that's that's how the American Dialect Society does theirs. And different dictionary companies have done similar things online. So there have been years where... Uh, Merriam-Webster, for instance, had one year where people could nominate and vote on the word of the year. Uh, this year, Oxford Dictionaries did the same thing. They had a, they kind of took a bunch of words and had people vote on them. But then you have the other end of the spectrum, which is you have uh, dictionary companies looking at their historical lookup logs. So when you visit a dictionary website and you type in a word, that gets dinged in a little, you know, little document somewhere else. And at the end of the year, we can see every word that's been looked up that year. And sometimes you find that news will drive lookups like mad. So you'll have news about something and then everyone's looking up a piece of vocabulary from that news story. And after a while, we started noticing that some of these patterns recur or some of them are so significant that they have a a big spike and then they have a lot of lookups through the rest of the year or they're overwhelmingly looked up all the time. And so most dictionary companies, commercial dictionary companies will sort of look at those lookups and they'll say, you know, we had a lot of these lookups, so this might be our word of the year. And sometimes dictionary companies just sort of look at all of their new words and say, you know, this is the word that we feel like best encompasses the zeitgeist. This is what how we feel like the year has gone, or this is the word that seems to be getting the most traction, you know, among our users, or seems to be a thing that a lot of people resonate with. So, so those are kind of different methodologies of the word of the year, which means that when we ha- when we talk about the word of the year, we're really talking about the words of the year. And, and we're talking about a very small number of words of the year. <laughs> Everyone's word of the year is going to be different. Yeah, it's been fascinating to me uh, to see the different different winners. Do you, so do you have a favorite so far of the, we'll talk about all the words, but do you have a, a favorite of the, the collection that have come out so far? <laughs> I mean, they're all, they're all so different. I think one of the things I've noticed about the ones that have come out so far is we had a couple of years where it was all sort of politically based words, or it was a lot of, uh, COVID related words. And this year we're sort of moving out of 
COVID, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually, ah, I'm going to catch some flack for this, but I kind of like goblin mode, which is, which is Oxford's word of the year. So goblin mode is one of these words that got voted on by people. They had a whole list of, of potential words and they said, vote on them. And goblin mode made it. And part of why I like goblin mode is, well, maybe we should define goblin mode for people. Should we do that first? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So goblin mode, in my mind, if I remember, I'll just explain it how I think of it off the top of the head now. This isn't the formal mm-hmm. definition, but it's it's like when you are in your house and suddenly you find that you are surrounded by empty pizza boxes and soda cans and you haven't changed out of your pajamas in three days. And you look around <laughs> right. and said, oh, I guess I've really been in goblin mode for a while. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it has a couple of different shades of meaning. So I, I think that the Oxford meaning is um, unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy. So that's a pretty broad range of of Ah. potential things to be. Um, Part of why I like goblin mode is, A, it's, I do like these that are chosen by the public, and there are pros and cons to that, but I, I like the idea of saying, look, here's a whole list. Tell me what you think is most trenchant. (laughs) And I like that. I like goblin mode because it's wordplay. And I feel like people love sort of getting their mitts into the English language and just like play-doing it up. And I think that that's one of the things about goblin mode that's, it's a little bit refreshing after, in previous years, we've had words like democracy or socialism or Mm -hmm vax or, you know, COVID, you know, these very heavy, big terms. And goblin mode is a thing that, you know, like you said, you say it and immediately a picture comes to mind. Whether that picture is correct or not, like it's, you just sort of know like, oh, goblin mode. Yes, I've been there. Yeah. So I like it because it's just wordplay. And that's, and had you I heard, think wordplay is oh, great. One, one thing I saw a lot about goblin mode is a lot of people hadn't heard it before, um, right. that it was completely new to them. Um, and they're saying, where did this come from? Uh, mm-hmm. had, 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 I think I had heard it before, but I had never used it and I, it wasn't a common word in my mind. Had you, had you heard it before? Right. I had heard it, but really I kind of, I had heard it in uh, like online slang kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it, I always kind of relegated it to like, gaming gamer Mm -hmm. stuff which i'm i'm not a gamer so if i'm wrong send all of those angry emails directly (laughs) to me not to grammar girl but um no i think it was popular on reddit too yeah yeah so i i had heard it but also it's my job to go hunting for words like this so of course i i'm probably more familiar with it than other people might be um but part of yeah i mean i i think it's funny that that you can have a word that ends up being the word of the year that so few people have heard, but which resonates with you nonetheless, whether you whether you like it or not. Like people have had a reaction to goblin mode as mm-hmm. the word of the year. Yeah, and I I think I started using it. It make it, it it is a useful thing. And I guess another thing to talk about, another bit of feedback I've gotten is people said, well, goblin mode is 
two words. How can that be the word of the year? I know that comes up every year with, with these things. Just, so can you, as a lexicographer, can you explain? I am happy to explain when we talk. I mean, first word of the year is just a lot catchier than, than, you know, lemma or, or lexical unit of the year. So when we talk about words, what we talk about when we, or what we mean when we talk about words as lexicographers is we're talking about a unit of meaning that carries a distinct semantic meaning. So, so you can say, for instance, that uh, climate emergency, which I also think was a, a word of the year a couple of years ago, and no one threw their hands up about that being two words, because we understand that climate emergency is, is itself describing a particular thing. And, and so we would say that climate emergency is a word for dictionary purposes. I have to say, I mean, I've been a lexicographer now for, oh boy, almost 25 years. And and the, a constant complaint is that, how can you say it's a word if it's more than one word? A word, just ref, in dictionary speak, just refers to something that has a specific meaning. So goblin has its own meaning. Mode has its own meaning. Goblin mode has a different meaning than the combination of those two meanings. Perfect. Thank you. And, you know, we were talking about the different processes for coming up with words. It's interesting because goblin mode, I started my bracket with 64 words and goblin mode was eliminated in the first round, but it won Oxford's, overwhelmingly won their vote. And um, about COVID as well, we we had seven or eight words in the initial round. We're down to the elite eight, and mm-hmm. the only one left is long COVID. So, and most of them were eliminated in the first round too. So, people are not like glomming on to the the COVID words like they yeah. used to. Yeah, I think it's interesting because when you allow people to have sort of end of year, you know, look back, tell us what the word of the year is, kind of input. There is this interesting. Um, so there's a thing that happens in films called a dolly zoom. Everyone has seen one where the camera is moving towards the, I might get this reversed. The camera's moving towards a person as the shot pulls back. So it's that thing where a person stands in one spot and it seems like the walls retreat from them. It's usually used ah. in horror or things like that. I feel like when you do a word of the year like this, you ask people to reflect on it. It's a dolly zoom, right? They sit in the middle and sort of everything expands around them, but they're still the focus. And so what's interesting to me is, is people are tired of talking about COVID. So it doesn't, it's not surprising then that long COVID is the only one that made it to the elite eight. People are, you know, people don't think goblin mode encompasses their year. Because we want we want our year to be something that's like meaningful, right? <laughs> you, you, want, you know, you don't want to be like the word. My word of the year was, you know, I don't even like goblin mode. Like I was lazy and slovenly all year long. We want we want our words of the year to be these soaring soaring sentiments, and and so you know, I I think that's an interesting phenomenon when people when you have to think about distilling your entire, your experience of the year and your observations of the world around you for the last year and distill it down into one word, I think people are most likely going to choose sort of a higher concept 
bigger word than something that's like, oh, goblin mode comes out of gaming and I'm a gamer. And so I'm going to say goblin mode. Mm-hmm. Hey, pet parents, are you searching for the perfect place for your dog to play? Check out Camp Bow Wow. Our safe and supervised doggy daycare and boarding ensures your pup gets the socialization they crave while giving you peace of mind. With our certified staff and clean and spacious facilities, your dog will have a blast making friends and staying active. Join the Camp Bow Wow pack today. Your first day is free. Visit us at CampBowWow.com. Franchise opportunities available. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then with phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. That's one thing I was going to ask you about because I noticed in in my groups of words there was two at least two different classes and they were the the higher more concept oriented words like you said like democracy in the past and we had you know fatigue and trauma and a lot of really <laughs> negative words people nominated but were, were uh, feeling oriented like that but then we have the very specific words like supply chain. Or long COVID. And in the past, have you, you know, you've been doing this a lot longer and more focused. Is is there a trend? Like, do people usually want the the big overarching feeling word or do they want the the thing, like supply chain that describes the year? I mean, it kind of goes either way, which I think is interesting. So the thing about naming a word that describes a thing, like supply chain, um, as a word of the year is that this, this sort of signals like this is the overarching or underlying reason that our year has been this way. Um, And you can say that, you know, I I think that's interesting because when you do that, you'll automatically get people who say, that's not how my year was. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Or that's a bad, that's a bad word. That's usually what you get. Like that Mm -hmm. was a terrible choice. Um, and I think the sort of the big soaring words when they get chosen, part of what's interesting about that is that it reignites a conversation about what that word means. So a word like fatigue or trauma, especially, those are 
those are words that have a whole wide variety of applications. And you're going to be, so if you were to, you know, trauma, let's say, ended up winning the word of the year, which would, that would be a story in and of itself. But if it did, that's a thing that, you know, it has all these different applications. It has a very particular application in psychology and psychiatry, but it's a word that sort of seeped into the general use in a way that that is is both comforting to some people and controversial to other people. And it provides a point of discussion, right? It's an inflection point for the for you to reflect around your own experience of the year. And so I, I think what's interesting is sometimes if you have too many of one and too, uh, and not enough of the other, people long for the other one, right? Mm, so yeah. if, you, if you name, there was a period of time while I was at Merriam-Webster where, you know, high concept, big words kept being sort of the top of the charts. So you'd have, you know, democracy was one one year, um, socialism was one, and and these are, you know, these are words that are, that spawn very interesting conversations. But, but there was also a point where people are kind of like, oh, I just like, can we just have a silly word of the year? I mean, <laughs> and not people in-house, but just you got a sense from the way that people would respond to these. Like, oh, come on. Like, this is how many years can we take these big words? And then if you have too many of of the particular kinds of words, people are like, well, that's not high concept enough for, <laughs> for us to talk about. The so, whole year. Of, yeah. 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 So yeah. it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting balance. Cause I think the word of the year, you know, ultimately it is, it is a public relations thing. It's, it's a thing that we have information that you might like to know and we'll tell you some of it, but it's, it's not a thing that you should take as gospel truth. Like we're not saying this is the way that everyone should think about this year. And if you don't think about this year this way, then you weren't a part of whatever group (laughs) we think that you should be a part of. And so, yeah, it's the word of the year is an interesting thing just because it, it's, it, it ends up getting so much more weight than I think initially they did. I think initially they were, you know, fun, silly words that, or, or words that were tied to like a very, very specific news yeah. story that made it easier to say, oh, this is why and, everyone looked this up. Yeah. And speaking of the, the sort of the PR value of the word, I want to talk about dictionary.com's word of the year because mm-hmm. they chose woman. And <laughs> I have to say immediately when I saw that, I thought they are such panderers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. It reminded me of when Time Magazine, I think it was, chose you as the person of the year and put that little mirror on the cover. I do remember that. Yep. And then, but then, you know, okay, so I read their press release and they talked about how lookups were, had spiked for the word woman all year long. And they had like a really good data driven reasons that they chose the word. So, yeah. Like, what did you think when you first saw woman as the word of the year? I have to say, I, I was not surprised by that in part. Yeah. In part because I think that that the, the spikes that they were talking about, that's also emblematic of how people use dictionaries, especially in online spaces, you know? So uh, (laughs) I mean, your readers or your listeners will probably be more aware of this than many other people, but 
lots of people have been debating the, you know, any kind of gender or sexuality related term online pretty heavily. And, and anytime there's a debate about the meaning of a thing, the first thing you do is go to a dictionary to support your, whatever your thought is about it. So, so that didn't surprise me because, you know, there has been a lot of particularly online discourse where all these dictionaries now live about gender and sexuality in the last couple of years. So, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting, honestly, that they said, well, this is a big lookup. So we're just going to choose it because sometimes you, that's a, it's a controversial, it's a controversial choice because I think it draws attention to, to the controversy happening online. Um, but yeah. I also like mad props for just saying this, this is the word of the year. This is, this is what our lookup logs show. So definitely. Yeah. I know they were really leaning into it. It was so interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, you know, and it reminded me too, something you said earlier about the difference that I'm seeing between different groups. So, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm doing my brackets all over social media. So I'm doing them on TikTok and LinkedIn, for example. Right. And wow, yeah. are those results different? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you know, the 13 year old TikTokers or what, however young they are, don't really care much about inflation <laughs> or supply right. chain, right. you know, whereas LinkedIn is much more interested in the supply chain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing that is that I think is the story behind the stories of the words of the year, which is who are the people that are looking these words up? I mean, especially not to be a bummer, but you know, lots of people just now use a very famous search engine who I'm not going to use their name, but they'll just type in their search engine, define word. And that search engine gives them sort of some automated data. So lots of people just don't visit dictionary websites often for particular word meanings. And, and oh, I mean, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is super sad. Everyone, you know, don't, don't use the big search engine. Just go straight to a dictionary website, please. But they are, better. but I think, I think that means then that the people who are going to dictionary websites are going to dictionary websites because they want an authoritative dictionary source. Right. And, and that's a that's a particular group of people and it's not this it's not the broad spectrum sort of people that used to use print dictionaries 30 years ago or 40 years ago it's it's very different now so it's not surprising to me to hear that your own you know listener base is sort of like well the tiktok folks like this and the linkedin people like this and the people on twitter like this and people who come to my website like that because we all sort of you know if I'm going to LinkedIn, I'm in a business mindset. And right. so I'm not probably going to be, you know, I'm going to be looking at job posts or I'm going to be updating my resume or my CV or I'm, you know, I'm networking. I'm not going to think, oh, yeah, long COVID is definitely the word of the year. I'm already going to be thinking about inflation, recession. I'm going to be thinking about all of these financial business type terms. If I'm on TikTok, I'm going to think inflation is not like, that's not what TikTok is for. (laughs) TikTok is so I can watch my favorite sheep shearing channel. That's what TikTok is for. (laughs) You're primed to value different kinds of words when you've entered that environment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, where we are in, in sort of either online space or physical space or, 
or, you know, life space or whatever, that all influences what we think of the language, especially when you remove language from its context, yeah. right? When you're just saying, okay, here's two words. Right? <laughs> which, which word do you, which word do you think is the word of the year? And, and it, you're, you're given this sort of like, make a very quick decision kind of response. And, and if people, if you sort of give it in a long essay form and explain like, well, this is why I think this word could be the word of the year or this word could be the word of the year, you might get a different response. So, Right. And I mean, that's what yeah. happens at the American Dialect Society is people get to make arguments for which word they think it should be. And you can see the vote being swayed by people making a particularly good argument. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually so fascinating to just watch the vote. Now, I know that the ADS is doing something slightly different this year. I think they are going to have an online ballot mm -hmm. in addition to the in-person uh, nominations. But but it is really fascinating to watch, you know, to see sort of <laughs> everyone swing from, from you know, we're going to talk, you know, we're looking at, at making, I don't know, democracy the word of the year and then someone stands up and, and gives an impassioned speech about pronouns and it's like well now we maybe we'll make they the word of the year and <laughs> it's really I mean I love it I'm a big old nerd I love watching it because it just is so fascinating to see I do too. I think that's one of, it is. Yeah. one of the great things about the pandemic. The few, one of the few great things is that the you can now virtually attend, and I I was never able to go in person before, so I've loved participating in the last couple of years. <laughs> oh yeah, oh it's great. It's it's my fa it's my favorite TV. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now our, our mutual friend um, Lynn Murphy, who does the Separated by a Common Language blog, so mm -hmm. Word of the Year is abbreviated WOTY, W O T Y. And she yes. refers to it as Wody McWoke face, <laughs> which just cracks yeah. me up. And so the um, one of the British um, dictionaries chose Homer as the word of the year, which was very controversial. Can you talk about that? <laughs> I can. So uh, that would be Cambridge dictionaries. And they chose Homer for the word of the year. And the part of the reason why is so Cambridge dictionaries – is most of the dictionary companies that that your listeners are familiar with are going to be American-based dictionary companies. So Merriam-Webster or, or they do, you know, sort of global or UK English. Cambridge Dictionaries particularly is it's a dictionary for people who are learning English as a foreign language. And so that means that the kinds of people that visit their site are different from the folks that visit a place like dictionary.com or Merriam-Webster. And, and the reason that they chose Homer was because of Wordle, which is a <laughs> word game. If you don't know, it's highly addictive where it's a fi it's five letters and you have to choose your five letters and sort of rearrange them in a kind of like a little uh, word jumble kind of thing. And, and Homer was a... A, a solution for one of the days. And that is not a word outside of you. It's not a common word outside of U.S. English. And so part of why it was made so many people angry is if you're, you know, if you're, I don't know, in Nigeria and you don't know anything about baseball and you get this word that, just, what? What is Homer? That is ridiculous. So, so the controversy was, you know, you had all of these, lookups on this one 
day because <laughs> the solution changes every day for Homer. And, and it's just, so it's an interesting, that's an interesting story too, because it's, because sometimes the things that take us to the dictionary are not these hard hitting, big, you know, what is democracy? Who gets to call themselves a woman? It's, you know, I'm doing Wordle, I'm doing a word game and I have never seen this solution before. How very dare they think that this is a, a usable word. So Cambridge Dictionaries chose Homer because it was their biggest lookup. And it was an entirely because of a word game. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so I think the, uh, the last one we should talk about is gaslighting. Um, this was... Uh, Merriam-Webster's Word of the Year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And, that is correct. Yeah. You know, it's in my group. It's made it to the final eight of my group too. But when it was initially nominated, I immediately thought that word seems old to me. Like that was American <laughs> Dialect Society's, one of their words years ago. Mm-hmm. And I have heard other people also say it seems kind of old. But then when you look at, you know, they again, show their data and lookups were way up for gaslighting. So how, what are these perceptions where, I mean, obviously it seems old to some people, but brand new to others and was surging this year when it feels passe to me. How is that happening? Yeah. I mean, it, that was interesting. That was interesting, not because of the word that ended up being the word of the year, but everyone's response to it, which was, I think, the first time I've ever seen this response, which was, oh, come on, like, we did this already, <laughs> which is, is funny to me, because it's not as though words words go out of fashion, you know, words are, words get used cyclically, words get used constantly, words sometimes appear and are never used again, that's just the nature of language. So what was interesting to me about gaslight is, it is a word that that does feel old, or at least its its peak, yeah. I would say, feels old to me, right? I associate gaslight much more with 2015, 2016, not with, you know, 2022. I just right. don't. But, but, you know, as, as the folks at Merriam-Webster showed, like, there was a lookup spike. And some of that had to do with the actual thing that gaslighting describes, there's been sort of a, a little bit of controversy about like gaslighting being used, not with its traditional sense, which is that you are intentionally manipulating someone to make them second guess themselves or, but gaslighting is sort of moved into like, you did a thing I didn't like. And so I'm going to say it's gaslighting. And Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of controversy about that. But the big one is that Angela Lansbury died this year, and she was in the movie Gaslight, which is what gave us the word gaslighting. So there's a huge <laughs> spike, too, around her death. And and that just goes to show that sometimes the connections between a word of the year and the thing that you think is why the word of the year should be the word of the year, it's there's no connection. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the connection you're thinking. So... But it is interesting. I think I saw, I think it was Rolling Stone that had an, had a story about it that the headline was something like Miriam Webster is gaslighting us about the word of the year being <laughs> gaslight, which. That's a good you know, headline. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good headline. So yeah, that was an interest, that was an interesting response. I just, I was fascinated by that. 
Yeah. And now that you mentioned it, I do remember seeing in the comments um, on my votes, people saying, well, a lot of people are using this wrong, wrong now. Yeah. Um, and it bugs me. Right. <laughs> so. Just another reason why words of the year sometimes end up as words of the year. You know, hey, if if it's a perennial lookup because people are arguing about what its meaning or use is, then it might actually end up, it might end up in your voting bracket, higher in your bracket than you would think. So yeah. That is fascinating. Well, thank you so much for going through all of this. And yeah. I think there's, it's just so fun to talk to you about words. And, you know, now, now I can't wait to see how everything shakes out in the next few weeks with the words that are still left to come. <laughs> oh, I know. It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so let's tell people again, your book is Word by Word. Um, the Secret Life of Dictionaries. Available where all fine books are sold. <laughs> and uh, where else can people find you? Uh, people can find me online. I usually am on Twitter or Mastodon at Corey Stamper, though I'm taking a short break because I have another book deadline. So, um, but you can also find me. I have uh, writing bylines on the New York Times, Washington Post, and you can read some of my old writing at CoreyStamper.com, which is my blog. Fabulous. Well, thanks again. Thanks so much, Corey. Thanks so much. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best – 